2: Welcome to CEO Coach. I'm Ann Kennedy, president of Outlines Venture Group and author of Global Search Engine Marketing. I'm here with Jillian Musick, my partner at Outlines and a co-founder of both Moz and Bread Approved. Together, we are serial entrepreneurs helping online companies launch, grow, pivot, and thrive. Find out more at outlinesventure.com. Hi, Jillian. What's on your mind today? Well, let's talk about Sibylla Masters, shall we? Yeah who <laughs> Who is Sibylla Masters?
3: So, in 1715, Sibylla Masters traveled from, well, in 1713, she traveled from the States to London, and it wasn't even the States at the time. We were just the colonies in 1715. She traveled to London and obtained the first patent awarded for an invention to anyone living in the American colonies. So, the first American patent holder. But here's the killer she didn't get the patent under her own name. It was awarded to her husband, Thomas Masters, because women weren't permitted to hold patents in those days. Unless Thomas Masters had not if he had not insisted that her name be appended to the patent, she would have been lost to history. He insisted that King George I say that the patent went to Thomas Masters for an invention found out by his wife, Sybilla, and then it continued to describe the patent. So we need the men as well as the women as we help women to come forward and to be able to own their own patents. they are. Businesses, their inventions, and their labor. Still today, in 2017 and now 2018, we are still seeing the effects of that intentional exclusion of not just women, but of many, many people, male and female, around the world, from being able to own and to re- be rewarded for their own inventions. So even Sibylla Masters took. For example, the first patent was for a method of curing and processing corn into an item known as grits, which is still a large part of the Southeastern American diet. But that doesn't mean that corn wasn't pounded before by the Native American populations as well. It's just that she took a process, invented something to scale it, and then went to pursue her patent. And again, but for her husband, her name would have been lost to history. So, with the idea in mind that, you know, how many others are lost to history, but for a champion who said, no, let's name the right people, um, it seemed like a good name to put on a venture capital fund that has a gender lens and a diversity inclusion charter.
2: Okay, I know we're going to get to it later, uh, but I will want you to explain to our listeners all about gender lens um, investing. and But first, let's talk about the problem of uh, investing in women-founded teams.
3: Absolutely. But I think the big news is here that we have launched, Outlines Venture has launched, the Sibilla Masters Fund. So on January 19th at Microsoft in Redmond at the Women in Cloud Summit we announced the formation of the Sibilla Masters Fund and now we are actually out raising capital to make this change happen. So we'll talk all about it and how it works and so on and of course it is for qualified uh, purchasers not for uh, crowdfunding so that we should put that out there right away but we're happy to explain all about it. So We have the Sibylla Masters story, if you will, why it was named for this woman. And uh, let's talk about, uh, you said, kind of the the problem itself, right? What made us do this? Well, in 2016, I think you came up with the numbers and we had a show on these numbers right here at CEO Coach Podcast. There was $58.5 billion was invested in all male founding teams and 1.2 billion invested in female founders. By uh, 2017, just last year, all women teams received 1.9 billion of the 85 billion total invested by venture capitalists. That's about 2.2%. And that's according to the data from uh, m private equity, and a venture capital databases, the pitch book. Right, So all male teams received 66.9 billion, roughly 79%, and 12% were raised by mixed-gender teams and 7% of unknown gender makeup, just so we have a breakdown on that. But still, the numbers are awful and not getting any better. And finally, in 2017, it was time to do something
2: about the problem. Well, isn't it mainly because... Um, We know we now have hard data from a number of sources that uh, gender diverse teams and particularly teams with at least one woman in a a key role uh, outperform the all male teams. We we know this now. (laughs)
3: Yes, we absolutely do know this. And there are a number of bits that would be relevant to this. For example, the governments, countries are looking at this, right? They're looking at pay equity and the role of diversity in improved GDP. And increased gender equity is correlated directly with higher GDP growth. Right? That would be the first yeah. piece. The second one was, uh, for example, a study by E.Y. and Peterson Institute. That's, you know, the Ernst & Young folks. Peterson Institute, they found that companies in which women hold 30% or more of corporate leadership positions have the potential to increase their net margins by up to six percentage points. That was reported in uh, February 8th of 2016, so a couple of years ago already the McKinsey Global Institute released a study that claims that 12 trillion dollars, yeah, that's trillion with a T, right, could be added to global GDP by 2025 by advancing women's equity. So lurking on women's equality is a huge issue. And then, of course, is that very famous first-round capital uh, uh, study, the 10-year study, and that revealed across their entire portfolio for an entire decade, women founders returned an average of 63% higher ROI than all male colleagues.
2: So let's go back and um, focus in on the problem, you know, about uh, why is it difficult to raise uh, capital for uh, gender, ethnic, racially, or ability diverse teams. We seem to see a lot of angel capital go that way. So, what's the problem, and why do we need this fund now? So.
3: At the venture capital level, approximately four percent of venture capitalists are women in any kind of a position of control or effect on the on the venture capital group itself. At the angel level, there is now beginning to be a broader base of investors, and that's a good thing. There are still, um, you know, some groups that lean in more than others, um, but the concept of impact investing, which does not mean you're giving your money away, but um, you. Would like those good returns, but impact investing says you are mindfully seeking these kinds of investments. And many more again at the angel level or early stage uh, capital are taking a look at that. So it's not outrageously difficult for gender, ethnic or racial or even ability diverse teams to raise angel capital. It's the chasm between that angel and serious VC money where the investment falls off. So as venture capitalists, we do see these all-male teams moving more quickly from inception to venture capital readiness, and we see the sizes of addressable markets being taken on by female founders are often much smaller than the men's. So the question is why? Indeed. Why? (laughs) Yeah, why? Uh, So Shark Tank investor Kevin O'Leary might shed some light on this issue. In an article in Inc. magazines, he noticed that not all, and I quote, not some of my returns, all of my returns have come from the ones, by which he means companies, run by women or owned by women. And when asked why, he responded, I believe they shoot for more realistic goals and achieve them at rates of 90 to 95% instead of their male counterparts who wildly overestimate their own skills and capabilities and underestimate the amount of work it's going to take to achieve their out of proportion goals. Women accomplish more with less every time said. So to that I would add that women have had a lot more experience in having to do more with less. Um, some of the things that I mentioned just recently at uh, SOCAP 365 in uh, Seattle, are some interesting stats from, uh, let's see, from Jackie Vanderbroek, uh, who is with uh, U.S. Trust Bank uh, and Bank of America Corp. Um, I think we better take a break here now, Anne, and when we come back, I'll talk about what Jackie Vanderbroek brings to this conversation. <laughs>
1: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. webmasterradio.fm is the destination for education entertainment and engagement We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on Webmaster webmasterradio.fm.
2: Welcome back to CEO Coach. We are talking today about the Sibylla Masters Fund, which we have launched to support startups which have at least one woman in a critical leadership role. Jillian, tell us more about the the rubric for the uh, Sibylla Masters Fund, what, what we're trying to do here. And first of all, what is our big, hairy, audacious goal.
3: Absolutely. Um, Before I get into that, I do want to pick up that conversation I had just begun before the break about Jackie Vanderbroek. Uh, She is with U.S. Trust, Bank of America Corp., and Jackie's a thought leader and a fund advisor and an author on this subject of gender lens investing. So she defines gender lens investing as the deliberate integration of gender analysis into investment analysis and decision making now the emphasis here the stress is on the lens not on limitations this is not an initiative to exclude men from funding or to reduce funding to men to preferentially allot it to a sum you know of women it's a lens that covers all sectors and asset classes and enables investors to use it in many different ways for example Jackie points out and that we should pay attention to this as fund managers as investors and an entrepreneur as an entrepreneurs we should consider the following women are the most underutilized asset in the world today as consumers developers inventors business owners investors women are under excuse me underrepresented undervalued underpaid and underestimated everywhere and by everyone it's only a matter of degree and this provides investors with significant wealth creation opportunities isn't that interesting
2: it certainly is
3: Right. So the question is, what's the opportunity for investors? And uh, how do we make sure that investors really understand this is not a goodwill gesture. If you want to make big bucks, you go after what we would call unicorns in quiet fields. If everybody's investing in a single kind of uh, founder, a single type of founder, and in a very slim line of potential um, you know, ideas, if you will, only IoT and AI and blockchain, then there's an awful lot of money to be made over in left field where nobody's looking. But there's very little money to be made where everybody's busy doing their deals already. For example, again, we're not talking about the angel level here. We're talking about the VC level. And the biggest deals go down without the angels ever knowing it showed up right in behind closed doors among friends and colleagues who've been at this forever and people are comfortable with people who are like themselves. That means that you're going to get an awful lot of investment by the same kinds of folks into the same kinds of folks. And that's why we have a problem. It's this um, what we call unconscious bias. And I think everybody in this program has heard this term before. So the Sibylla Masters Fund is designed to be a seed fund, and that fills the gap between the angel, or the friends and family, and then the angel, and then finally getting to that Series A funding. So between angels and Series A, there is this chasm. They call it, you know, the gap. It's a critical sum that provides sufficient funding to prove out markets, launch the revenue engine, and to get the Series A qualifications in place in a company that's moving from one or two founders to a serious team. So our big, big, hairy, audacious goal is that we will raise $100 million and it will be raised over the coming decade to support gender, ethnic, and racial diversity among the founding teams in their quest to build larger companies and address larger markets. In this way, we will not always find them building smaller companies with smaller exits and so on. That does not mean it's a bad investment. And indeed, when we get into how the fund operates, I'm happy to explain how we'll actually leverage that as well to get to our goal.
2: So how will the the fund operate?
3: Well, um, I'm the general partner, and that means that I'm responsible for the legal requirements and the financial success of the fund and Outline's venture group, which is you and I, we will manage the fund all right, with the assistant of our advisors and we will source deals, perform due diligence and make those investments. The investors themselves will be members of the Sibylla Masters Fund. The investment with a minimum sum in the first year and so on will be followed with capital calls for investments that will come later as we identify and perform due diligence on additional companies. So that's kind of in a nutshell how venture capital works, if you will. Uh, Funds are generally formed as limited liability partnerships. Uh, We are also reviewing the option to form the Sibylla Masters Fund as a C-corporation. And uh, our attorneys are busy doing their thing right now as we take this show. So we have a whole show, uh, and I promise a whole show, on various ways that venture capital investment funds can be formed and the relative advantages each for investors so stay tuned for that one in the future at the okay. moment we're still learning
2: okay so what are Sibilla masters fund requirements uh for investment
3: right so that we can talk about right away We're seeking, as I said, unicorns in quiet fields. We'll consider investments in companies that are smaller and shorter term potential exits are possible there. And we'll even consider uh, as well, debt plus equity hybrid investments. So this means we're playing much shorter games than simply looking for that major unicorn that takes many years to come to fruition. Uh, In this way, it gives us the flexibility in the fund to return principal to the investors sooner. It makes it available for investors to redeploy that principle more quickly, which we find to be advantageous. It will enable us to put capital to work while we wait for those follow-on investments. And we'll talk about what follow-on investments mean in a moment. Um, And we will uh, also wait, of course, for that unicorn to be identified. They are by the very definition moonshots. You know, they're not, they're few and far between. So in short, It provides a good framework for managing the capital in optimal ways.
2: Okay, so what's our investment rubric?
3: right, so our bottom line is that there must be one woman on the founding team and or in a position of strategic and operational control. And it goes without saying, I hope, that the woman must carry an appropriate title commensurate with her male colleagues and must be compensated commensurately also with her male colleagues at every level in the company. So transparency around compensation, advancement, educational and skill enhancement opportunities, and more will be required from our portfolio companies. So no more opacity around that stuff. That's how we lean lean in on the gender equity, but we will be looking at racial and ethnic and aging and ability, all of those things that say, how do you gather a team that brings different viewpoints, to the conversation um, because it was uh, Janice Mashala of Seattle, Washington, a longtime early stage investor who said she only invests in diverse teams because it is a proxy for being able to listen to and to act on diverse ideas. This makes a company more resilient and more capable of addressing new and broader markets more quickly and more effectively. And with that in mind, we agree, and that's part of our investment rubric, so there are more you know generic requirements and they include that we'll take a board seat uh, as a, on the board of directors, right? With each investment, they will be significant. Uh, the founding team must either include or hire a technical leader for the company. And while the technology might be outsourced, it must be managed by somebody in a leadership role in the company with the capacity to get projects done on time, on budget, and with excellent user interfaces that address the needs and engagement styles of a
2: broad user group. That last bit, uh, a broad user group and engagement styles, that needs a little explaining. I would
3: agree. Um, so just before we take a break here, uh, again, Jackie Vanderbroek, this uh, you know thought leader in uh, gender lens investing, points out that uh, the software That is developed today is almost always built for male patterns of problem-solving. Therefore, part of our due diligence says that we ask the question, how do you deep-bias software design to open a new set of opportunities and revenue?
2: Okay, got it. So, what else is on our rubric before we go to a break?
3: All right, well, we're going to require that there's both a wizard and executor in place, and we've talked about this for years, And The wizard's the idea person, the executor executes on the ideas of the wizard and builds a company around them, and without an on-the-ground executor, we won't invest.
2: Absolutely. And of course, we are looking for scalable companies, which is defined as companies that are able to serve increasing numbers of customers at a de- decreasing cost per customer. And we're looking for exits that provide solid 3 to 5x for short-term exits, as well as the moonshot exits from unicorns. We have to take a break now for our sponsors. After that, we'll come back and talk more about the Sibylla Masters Fund, and in particular, a little bit about our own, our own team. So this is CEO Coach, and we'll be right back.
1: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Hello, I'm Hector Elizondo, and I want to talk to you about getting older. My body hurts, my joints ache, and sometimes I forget. I forget that doing all your own scenes for a movie isn't always the best decision, especially when you're galloping high speed on a horse named Archibello. So yes,
4: my body hurts, but it's not because of my age. It's because I'm living my life. Don't let life pass you by. Take care of your brain health. It may just help you stay on top of your game. (laughs) Oh, Archibello!
1: Learn more at
4: brainhealth.gov.
1: Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
2: Welcome back to CEO Coach. We are talking today about the Sibylla Masters Fund, which we have launched to support startups which have at least one woman in a critical leadership role and... Uh, fulfill other diversity rubrics that we are looking for Uh, one of the things that we didn't get to before the break Jillian was our term so we have a core group of people who are already working with us Uh, Jillian would you like to just talk about them
3: Absolutely. So there's you and I, of course, and Alka Badshah and Carly Price. Both of Seattle have been hugely helpful already. Alka is helping us find investors. Carly has shared her experience from Wall Street to entrepreneurship to angel investing with us, helping us to understand more clearly which levers might lead to better investment processes and returns for our investors. Uh, Indeed, I'm also attending what I call Fund Manager School. Uh, It's put on by John Secret who runs the Seattle Angel Conference and uh, he has kindly brought together fund managers at a number of levels uh, to learn from each other and each session brings uh, amazing insights into the experience of fund managers and how we might move forward in a more equitable manner. So um, all these people and many others are advising, supporting and uh, expressing their interest of course in investing and we're delighted with that.
2: We certainly are. So I noted that our values include diversity, inclusion, and gender-lensed investing. I think it's worth noting here that uh, women founders tend to scratch their own and itch and the itch that others have. And that really is the reason that some of their companies are so successful. So if uh, what can we say about that?
3: Absolutely. Um, I think that... As we look at the kinds of companies that are being built uh, by women, this idea of scratching one's own itch makes good sense. Uh, Venture Capital is designed to and does a very good job at funding the software that powers the next big thing. But this is not the only place where you will find high returns on your investments. So we look at the kinds of companies that women uh, tend to build, and they are sometimes in the same deep technology spaces as we find all male founding teams. But we also find them addressing life issues that have never been addressed before. For example, um There's a woman who is building a a company to fund young professional uh, women's uh, childcare needs. Far too often, if you have a uh, bachelor's degree and only say 50,000 US in um, salary, You will lose over a million dollars over your lifetime if you take what's known as the mummy break, if you drop out of the workforce and then return to it. So returning to it is fraught with difficulty. Uh, Moving up through space as your colleagues have already moved ahead of you is difficult. So many things happen along the way, and it costs you over a million dollars. So women drop out of the marketplace frequently, not only because they would like to be with their babies, and we need to. Address that issue, right? That one should have time to be with one's babies. Many uh, companies around, excuse me, countries around the world have already addressed this, but we have not in the states. Right. So, if the reason the woman drops out is because her salary is already lower, and it makes more sense for the man to go back to work and keep working and so on, then there has to be an alternative. And she's come up with a way to fund this early child care education to spread out the payments and make it worthwhile for women to remain in the marketplace. It's things like that that we look at and say, oh, interesting, and exactly how much does the marketplace want this? We look at products even developed by men, not necessarily by women, and say how does it affect women um, in the world today? Uh, We have somebody who has a hard product coming out of Europe uh, that can test for ovulation, for example, and without latex or pills and so on and so forth. This provides critical information to women around the world. So we look at those kinds of things. How does it affect women? How does the company treat women and, again, people, male and female, of all genders and all diverse backgrounds? What are their thoughts around the process? And we look at whether or not you're building a problem that solves issues that others are ignoring. So there are many, many different ways in which this can be done, and sometimes it's as simple as looking at the software itself and saying, how do you restructure it so that it works with what we would call a women's process of uh, problem solving rather than male pattern process of problem solving and we can do that from children's toys to managing uh, I don't know the the aging in uh, you know the population around the world however that is we take a look at all of those elements as we decide on our uh, investment uh, process so so, who can invest in Sibylla Masters with us? Yes, at this time, um, it's only qualified purchasers, and that is a technical term uh, governed by the laws of, you know, the United States and so on. It's a highly regulated business, um, and because we talk about the sibilla Masters Fund publicly, we must work with these. Qualified purchasers. It is a somewhat higher uh, level of entry than qualified investor, and I would encourage anybody who's interested here to go look that up. And if interested, then they can get a hold of us either at Ann at OutlinesVenture.com or Jillian at OutlinesVenture.com. And we're happy to share information about that, uh, but we only work with those qualified purchasers. Um, it makes certain that we are uh, not uh, defining this as something like crowdsourcing. And um, not open
2: to uh, anyone who would be betting the rent money, if you will. Exactly. So, let's just recap it before we have to stop today about exactly what we're doing. Um, let give us the elevator p- pitch, Jillian.
3: Absolutely. So the the Sibylla Masters Fund has been launched uh, in honor of Sibylla Masters, who could not hold her own patents in her name, right, for all of those who are building companies in this year still um, with their own engines, with their own names, and to give them sufficient capital to prove their markets reach scalability, and hit the point of inflection at which they are qualified to acquire Series A capital investment. We are at a seed stage. We welcome qualified purchasers to invest in the fund, and we welcome companies where there is at least one woman on the founding and operational team in a position of authority and strategic and operational control. Right. That's our one request. And then, of course, we look at the diversity and inclusion of the corporation around a number of other issues as well. We're building these companies and, and supporting these companies to build themselves because we believe that diversity and inclusion is a proxy for being able to listen to and act on diverse ideas. And that's it for this weekend.
2: That's it for this week at CEO Coach. We'd like to thank our producers at Webmaster Radio for their support. You can download these shows at Radio forward slash shows forward slash CEO-coach, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. You can find links and more on facebook.com. Forward slash CEO Coach Podcast. Stop by and hit the like button so we know you were there and tell us what you'd like to hear about on CEO Coach. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and you can find out more about how we help companies launch, grow, pivot, and thrive at OutlinesVenture.com. Till next time.